Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. And we got to shout out our show sponsor and local friend, Coyote River Hemp Co. I've known the owner, Ryan, going all the way back over a decade, way back to my health food store days. So I know them personally. I use this company personally. They are committed to regenerative farming practices. So they're giving more than they take giving more back to the land than they take. And I want you to understand that not all CBD products are created equally, so you always have to be a savvy consumer if you're utilizing CBD. A common question that people will ask is, what dose do I start out with? And uh, Coyote River always recommends same thing that I do. Start low and go slow. Start with a low dose, slowly work your way up to the results that you're after. It can take a few weeks of consistently using CBD for uh, your body to fully recognize it. So it is a good daily routine. I suggest starting with Coyote River 500 milligram hemp tincture. You can um, titrate that dose up or down. I also really dig the nighttime formula. It has 500 milligrams of CBD and 100 milligrams of CBN, and it really helps with sleep. I've gotten a lot of feedback from folks and you are doing well with it. So head over to their website, coyoteriverhempco.com. Use code FUNK10 to save you 15%. And just remember that the support from our sponsors allows the Functional Nutrition Podcast to continue to pump out new content. So we thank them and we hope that you support them too. Hello, my friends. I always start off the podcast that way because I know we have a lot of longtime listeners, but If you're brand new to the show, if this is your first time tuning in, then welcome. Hopefully you do become a friend of the podcast. Would love to have you come back for more or go back into the archives. We have four years of podcast content for you. Lots of good juicy gems there. Today, however, I get to chat with my own esthetician and my friend. You know, we definitely have a lot of overlap in our life and have become friends and colleagues and um, we've known each other for a short period of time, but it was like one of those instantaneous clicks. You'll totally get why we have very similar vibes, very similar attitudes and outlooks towards things um, as you listen to the episode. It's her name is Lee. She is based out of Rollinsford, New Hampshire, and her business is called Holistic Skin and Tonics. Holistic because she focuses on whole skin health and the connection between nutrition and our skin. So we have done a couple of episodes on the gut-skin connection, the food-skin connection, nutrient-and-skin connection. I have great information for you available on my website, erinholthealth.com forward slash skin. And that really helps you understand that skin is an inside job. So we always have to approach skin from an inside out 
perspective. Episode 121 and 122 of this podcast, I do a really extensive deep dive on this concept. So I encourage you to check those out because today, today we're going to touch on that a little bit, um, but we're also going to talk about how to approach skin outside in. And this is what Lee does in her practice. She combines specialized massage techniques, different types of plant-based skincare, and she says that wellness is not just one treatment, it's a lifestyle and commitment, right? So I talk about that all the, the time in regards to health, and she's really talking about it in regards to skin health too, same deal. Uh, she is a certified nutritional aesthetics practitioner. She's also certified in gua sha, facial cupping, and facial reflexology. She's going to get into that in the show. And I just love her rabble-rousing attitude when it comes to the beauty industry and um, what she has to say about that. And in fact, <laughs> we weren't even, we were like shooting the shit at the start of the show and I was like, she was just kind of like going off on a tangent. And I'm like, that's, we have to air that on the show. Like, that's so good. People need to hear that. That's really important. So when, uh, when we transition over into the interview, you're just going to like, it's just like Lee takes the mic. <laughs> she just takes it away. So um, one last thing that I want to say that if you're somebody who's really looking to um, improve their skin health and you want to do it you know, really want, want to approach it comprehensively inside out, outside in, I do recommend paying attention to your diet. Um, so I have a program, it's a 21-day nutrition program called Eat to Achieve. You could purchase that on my website at any time. And we also have our group nutrition program. I run it only twice a year. It's coming up in January. It's called the Carb Compatibility Project. We dial in the nutrition, really ramp things up. It supports your overall immune system. It supports your gut. It supports your liver, which PS is super, both of those things are super important for skin health. And we make sure that we hit all the nutrient gaps um, that are really commonly found and that can impact the health of your skin. Now, I did say Lee is based out of Rollinsford, New Hampshire. So if you're not local, you can't see her in person, but she does offer virtual consults and she also has an online store. So she's going to be talking about a couple of different things and all of those are available. Anything she mentions, you can purchase on her online store and will, of course, link all of that in the show notes. Without much further ado, here is Lee. So I think I've been in this rage lately about my industry just becoming this entity that is really not what it's supposed to be. Like it's just kind of morphed into this, you're not allowed to age, which to me is insane. Like that's what makes me the most passionate about my job is that you get, I get phone calls and pictures from 22 year old women who are on the verge of making plastic surgery decisions based on what they woke up to the next day because they're not allowed to have a wrinkle or a pore or a pimple. And it's just gotten so bad. And I, sometimes I feel like I'm on this island by myself. And there's a few of us in the industry around here that kind of think the same way, that it's like swimming against the tide. And we're trying to teach people that it's okay to age and that yes, your skin is going to respond to how you treat it, not just from a gut standpoint, but from an emotional standpoint and how you speak to it. And sometimes it gets really frustrating because like I was saying, the 
beauty industry is like a watered down version of the diet industry where it's this shame game and it's not helpful. It's more harmful to people. And I think that my practice is different because I am 55, you know, I went to school at 50 so I can understand and appreciate the uh, repercussions of my actions as a child, not wearing sunscreen. I always say no sunscreen, no seatbelts, but here I am. So I, I have a hard time with my industry sometimes, uh, a lot of times, where they want you to do all these things to your face and your face doesn't need it. It's a fine-tuned machine. And we've made it so much more complicated than it needs to be. And I think that sometimes, I think the reason why I am busy is that women are like, finally, like finally someone's given me permission to not wash my face in the morning. Like, I don't want you to wash your face twice a day. Unless you get up and you're sweating your ass off. Yeah, you should wash your face. But so that's one of my biggest things is, you know, less is more. Um, how you feel about yourself plays a huge impact on how your skin reacts. Um, it's not just what we put on our face or what we put inside our bodies. It's how we mentally feel about our appearance. And today with Instagram and filters, it's, you know, there's a whole generation that doesn't have a chance. You know, they, they, they're not allowed to get old. And I, I don't know where that ends, you know? So it's definitely one of the things that I get fumed about. So, so the show hasn't technically started, but I say that's going into the show because that was just a organic, you know, like spilling over of your beliefs that everyone needs to hear. Yeah. So why don't we just jump right into the, one of the first questions that I wanted to ask you, cause it really feeds into that. You had said something about like the skin kind of is supposed to do, it can do its own thing. You have talked to me about the acid mantle and I was like, the what now? I don't totally know what that is. And so I'm assuming that that plays into it. You, you talk a lot about the acid mantle, keeping it safe. I know that you've, you've talked about on Instagram, you warn people against over exfoliation. So let's dive in with yes. that. It's, it's honestly, it's the acid mantle, which is otherwise called a lipid barrier. It's, it's to me, it's this beautiful coating. It's almost like a shield that your body has given you that again, my industry has taught you guys to strip it off all the time. And so that's made up of dead skin cells, sebum, which is the fancy word for oil. There's a microbiome that lives there. So I always tell people it's this beautiful little circus. And in a circus, there's certain people that have certain jobs. And if you mess up one of those people in that circus, the rest of the circus can't function properly. So our face has a similar uh, axis kind of going on all the time. And again, the beauty industry always loves to tell people that you should exfoliate you know, every week or sometimes saying every day, which is just insanity. So when you start to learn about the acid mantle, what it's made of, um, the after effects of damaging it, again, that, that beautiful shield that's there gets taken away. And its whole purpose is to protect you from viruses, bacteria, um, pollution, which is finer than our pores, which can kind of get in and create this whole tsunami of inflammation in the body. So I try to teach people that you need to protect that. It's like, you know, we have these cells that live on our, the surface of our skin and underneath. And when you over exfoliate with something, you know, uh, scratchy, whether it's, God forbid, St. Ives apricot scrub or anything that has like coffee or even, you know, a sugar scrub or 
a salt scrub, which would be just as bad, it creates these micro tears on the surface of your skin. And there's these things called melanocytes that live underneath. And it sends a message to them and it says, oh shit, there's something harming her face or your skin in general. So over time, it pushes uh, pigmentation to the surface. So in essence, you over exfoliating not only takes away that beautiful barrier, but it's aging, long-term aging your skin. So then some people will say, well, you know, for my age, 55, my cells shed every like 45, 50, sometimes 60 days, which seems like a long time. So people say, well, you need to exfoliate. And, you know, the beauty industry likes to say cell turnover, turn over those cells, get some new cells. So when you do that, you're, you're killing off cells that have different uh, lifespans. They all don't die at the same time. They all don't turn over at the same time. So when you're wiping off that acid mantle, that beautiful barrier, and you're triggering your skin to produce new cells or you're forcing new cells to come to the surface, there may be cells that come to the surface that are like babies. So I equate it to taking a baby, shoving it in a Corvette, being like, have a good drive. It's going to crash and burn. So you're forcing these cells to come to the surface of your skin when they're not ready. And so it's, it's one of the most important things that I try to teach my clients is you have to protect that mantle. Um, what you put on it affects it. You know, the pollution affects it, ripping butts, you know, drinking excessively. Of course, all these things affect it. But the biggest thing that affects it is over exfoliation and even using a washcloth, which lots of people do. That is a form of exfoliation. That's what we call a physical exfoliant. It means you're physically moving the surface of the skin and removing, you know, dead skin cells. You're taking off that, that oil. And the other thing with, you know, over exfoliating, especially with people that have oilier, oilier skin or acne, the first thing they think of is we have to eradicate it. And again, when you do that, you know, you're disrupting that protective barrier and you're telling the oil glands that you stripped it all away. And now it's like, oh shit, there's no more oil. And so it starts to pump more oil. So it's this vicious cycle that people go through where they have a breakout and they think I got to, you know, eradicate it, try and get rid of it. But if you learn how to protect that, um, that protective coating, your skin will age better. You know, it's more apt to not get breakouts your fine lines and wrinkles will kind of tend to slow down because you're just not pissing off your face. So it's one of those things where it's like, you try to teach people how to do that, but it's been so ingrained for, I don't decades to tell people to exfoliate constantly. I tell people once a month, even for my age group, and there's beautiful things that you can enzyme with like fruit enzymes, which act like Pac-Man, they kind of eat the dead skin off the surface of your face, um, but they don't disrupt the cells that are meant to kind of stick around. They basically just kind of eat away at some things that might be floating around, but it's, it's pretty um, frustrating at times when you try to reverse some of the brainwashing that's happened in the beauty industry for so long. Right? reverse the programming, deprogram, help people unlearn all the lies they've been told. You know, uh, first of all, where, where did, I don't know where you grew up. Did you grow up? So in, I grew up in here? Maine. Okay. In Maine. When mm -hmm. you said ripping butts, I'm like, 
clearly you're from New England, so you're somewhere around here. Right, right, yeah. Um, and then when you mentioned the St. Ives, I can still smell the apricot scrub, like the body scrub. It was in my shower growing up. It reminds me of my childhood, like the late 80s and early 90s. My mom yep. used that so much. Oh my God. There was um, going to be a lawsuit against them at one point because it was destroying people's skin. I mean, we're talking micro tears. You're creating micro tears in the top layer of the skin, which, you know, compromises everything underneath it. So at one point, there was a discussion years ago where they were contemplating pulling it from the face and putting it to the body, which is a whole other different thing. You know, this is needs to be protected that the surface of your face, your body can take a little bit more of a the scratchiness like coffee scrubs. Coffee scrubs are great for your body. Not so much. They're not really useful for your skin on the, on the face. There's much more gentle ways that, you know, fruit enzymes are super powerful, especially in some of the plant uh, skincare out there that actually have to be very careful of because they're so strong, but they're not, there's nothing scratching the surface. So you know, it's, you're talking about this barrier system. We talk, you know, I talk about a barrier system on the show oftentimes, which is our gut barrier and it, the cells in the gut, the lining of the gut have the ability to regenerate and they do every few days. But I, I try to liken it to a brick wall where if you're pulling bricks out of the wall faster than your body is able to repair them, you have a pretty rotten barrier system. And our whole entire health is based, our whole entire immune system, you know, like is based off of the the strength of our barrier system. Like that is the literally the first line of defense. And so it's almost like when you're talking about stripping the, the acid mantle, I almost think about like this over sterilization of the microbiome in our gut, where we're like using antimicrobial, this and antimicrobial that, and, you know, antibiotics and all over cleaning, using bleach, using Clorox, we're stripping, you know, our, our barrier systems. So, and that's the same thing with the skin. Yeah, yeah, it really makes because sense. like you say too, like I always tell people that our face is a window into our gut. So if the gut is off, the face is off. So if you are, you know, same thing when you teach people about the gut and keeping that balance there, like I say, there's a circus that's inside our gut. There's one on our face and there's one in our brain. And they have this little three-way going on where they chat with each other. And if one of them's pissed off, the other one's like, uh, what are we going to do to try to help? So they're constantly trying to align with each other. And so that's why it's really important that if someone comes to me and it's completely out of my wheelhouse and into yours, I'm like, you need to go see a professional to help you balance. I can help you balance up here, your face, but nine times out of 10, if you have something going on up here, that's we've, we've done everything that I, in my practice, in my you know level of education can help you with, then you have to go see somebody else. Because as you know, you know, this, your gut is definitely gonna come out on your face. You know, this Chinese face mapping that has different zones that completely line up with organs in your body. And usually, you know, people forget that Yes, your jawline is hormones, but people forget that cortisol is a hormone, which is, I say, the other C word. So if that is overactive, it has its purpose. But if it runs rampant, it's definitely going to come out on your skin, you know? And you know, like the reverse of that is true too, because I was having the, one of the reasons I went to see you, I was seeing more redness on my cheeks, which is just, you know, something that is, that's my skin. Um, 
but I, I know that it ramps up when my gut is flaring or has in the past. And I knew there was nothing going on with my gut. I mean, symptomatically, but also lab tests, like my gut's right. good. The insides are good. So I actually had to take an outside in approach. Right. Right. Exactly. Yep. And there are clients definitely that have, they've had all the testing done. They've had every single test done. And then that's when it falls onto the barriers off what they might be using is wrong. Um, they might be over cleansing um, rosacea clients, especially there's so many different reasons for rosacea and why it flares up from allopathic medicine type of reasons to traditional Chinese medicine, which feels that it's a, uh, an overabundance of angst or grief or just emotions that you haven't processed that comes out in your face. So the lung area up here in the cheeks is often associated with fear, with grief, things like that. So I definitely, um, rosacea is one of my favorite things to treat. And it can be very tricky because uh, if there's something off um, acid in the gut that can trigger it. I mean, alcohol, spicy foods, uh, too hot showers. I mean, this, the list is huge. It can also be connected to dendrite mites that live on our skin that you know, you and I might not react to, but some people are allergic to them. So that can play into it. So um, yes, I, I'm fascinated with trying to help resolve what's going on on the surface when the gut is check, 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 everything's lining up. Then it's like, okay, now I get to play. Yeah. So let's talk about that because we have discussed on the show, the connection between gut stuff and rosacea specifically. So what would you say? Cause I know a lot of people do struggle with rosacea. What would you say for more of a outside in approach that, um, folks should be, should be mindful of? I know you just rattled off a few big ones. Yeah. So basically else? rosacea and acne, you almost want to treat it the same way. Meaning it's like a pissed off baby. You want to coddle it. You know, you want to try and calm it down. The first thing you want to do is try to decrease the inflammation, the redness, um, go over what the client might be using at home, just little things that can trigger it. God forbid that if they were on a topical steroid cream, which makes it 10 times worse over time because of the way it, um, you know, treats the layer of your skin. Um, it looks like a rash for a very long time. So basically I always tell people when I see them for rosacea to bring in what they're using so I can kind of take a look at it. And I don't ever, I'm not here to poo-poo what other people are using. It's more of like educating that, you know, this chemical that's in this might be causing, you know, your skin to react a certain way. Hot showers, one of the worst things for rosacea. That's one, one thing that you taught, taught me and not to, you were like, I thought I had rosacea. You're like, this is not rosacea. So I self-diagnosed myself with the rosacea, That's okay. but, um, but there's like the red redness and the ruddiness of my cheeks. I had no idea. I like was, I, I like my, my shower so hot that it feels like it's burning my skin. Yeah. And so you're like, you can still take hot showers. You just can't get that hot water on your face. And honestly, right. that that intervention alone has made such a huge difference. I think yeah. we also talked about maybe vitamin C as being potentially problematic. Yes. There are people that have rosacea that vitamin C can irritate the hell out of it and make it worse. Whereas other people, vitamin C is great and very helpful for the skin, but you know, that's, uh, you know, what's good for her might not be good for him or vice versa. So you kind of have to, you know, they're, 
you fall into the trap of, well, my friend's using it and she loves it and her face loves it, but your, your skin is not your friend's skin. So that's why I try to be like, you should go see a professional, whether it's me or someone, sit down with them, talk about what you're going through, how long you've been going through it. Um, in my uh, uh, intake, usually there's a lot of other questions that have nothing to do with the skin only because if you're stressed out of your skull, you might think that you're chill, but then you start to ask little questions and then you realize, you know, you hate your kids for some reason or you, your job or whatever. That's all going to play into internalizing how you feel, which the only place it usually comes out is your face. Like literally things just start to come out. So when you start to help people try to realize that there are things that are internal and then there are things that you can, you know, internal meaning emotional or uh, ingestible or, and then there's emotional. So a holistic approach is you're looking at, I'm looking at you as like a, a planet, not just your face, but kind of like your whole lifestyle. Um, even what you went through as a young child, sometimes that will come full circle when you're in your thirties for some strange reason. Um, what you do for work, how much sleep you get, you know, your diet, just lifestyle choices. So um, yeah, rosacea, definitely, uh, emotions really trigger rosacea. A lot of times people get emotional and their cheeks flare up. You get that, like, you know, they blush that kind of thing. People with rosacea tend to have more of a flushed face all the time. And then when they get emotional about things, it just heats it up. And then it, it stays like that for hours. It takes a very long time for their face to kind of come back down. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hot showers, man. It's one of the easiest <laughs> things that you can help with your skin. <laughs> they will get you. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, pulling it to this, this, there's a reason that holistic is in your title is because you are taking a whole approach and it's not just the physical body. We always have to look beyond the physical body. If we're really taking a holistic approach. And I hear you talking about very similar things that I talk about in my practice, which is like, we have to I call it like radical honesty or like excavating your life, like really paying attention to like the stuff that's going on. And I think so many people, well, I, I, I often say that people love to argue for their own limitations. So people will come up with a laundry list of like why they can't change it. Okay. Well, I hate my job, but I can't change it because, and I, I'm a firm believer in life by design. And I, I, this is not something I was planning on, on talking to you about today, but I, you know, you just talked about how you change your entire career trajectory at the age of 50. So I just right. feel like for those who are saying, well, I can't change because it's like, well, maybe that's true. Or maybe you, you just, you just are, are so attached to your story that you're not letting yourself see uh, another potentiality out there. Right. And that, you know, there could be people in your life telling you that you can't. You know, and that's a big thing that people don't admit a lot of times that they could be in relationships where people aren't quite supportive. Your own family can be really non-supportive. And so if you start to think about the changes that you want to make in your life, you really have to look at the outside people staring in because that's how you view yourself is by how other people kind of view you. So what's the saying you are, you know, the five closest people or people that you hang out with. So when I wanted to go back to school at 50, I made sure that I surrounded myself with people that I admired. I made sure I lined up with people that I wanted to have as mentors. And I cut out people that were, you know, naysayers and, and then just took off, you know, just did it. 
and it's not like it was easy, but it's like, what's the alternative? That that's what made it easy. You know, I'm, I'm, I was 50 and I, I waited until I was 50 because it wasn't, I had all the excuses in the world. Like, Oh, you know, I, I, I love the hospitality industry, which I still do, but you know, I also knew that I couldn't be, you know, Alice from the show, Alice waiting on people at 60, which no offense to people that do like love you. But for me, I'd probably shoot somebody like it. It just was not going to work out. So very grateful that I did go to school later because I appreciated it a hundred times more. I feel like I'm getting like choked up hearing this because this is like a lot of sidebar conversations that I've been having lately with, with some of my close people. It's like, I am just in a place in my life where not because I'm trying to change anything, but because I'm trying to like maintain the sense of like peace and success and happiness that I've worked so hard for. And I realize in order to do that, I really have to surround myself with like people who are supportive and encouraging and dream big. And like, that just feels so good to my nervous system is to be with like Mm -hmm. people who think big versus people that are like, what about this? And, and, and just, just coming up with yeah. laundry list after laundry list of like all the wrong things like that doesn't feel good to me anymore. Um, yeah. And I feel like, like you and I, when we get into a place in our careers and thank you for teaching boundaries, by the way, uh, you all of a sudden for me personally, the universe is sending me all of these people that are like, all of these business women that are just incredible and, you know, younger than me, older than me, all walks of life. And it's almost like this door opened when I opened my business of like, here you go. Here's your platform, you know, don't abuse it and try to help people as much as you can. And I think it's the same thing that you do. Like we're, we're trying to just, I'm trying to change the thought process of aging because we're not freaking vampires. Like we're supposed to age people and fighting that tooth and nail, I guarantee you is going to make you age faster just because of the angst that you create when you wake up in the morning and go, Oh, I have a wrinkle on my face. Yep. You have a wrinkle. They're there. You know, it's like, I want to, ask you about Botox because I'm so, and I, I really want to make it clear that I'm, I'm saying none of this with judgment because it's the same thing that I say about weight loss. Like wanting to lose weight is a very normal reaction to living in a culture that tells you, you are zero value unless you are slender, same deal. So wanting to change your face or get Botox or anti-age, it's a normal reaction to this culture, but I am just so shocked how normalized it is. And like how girls younger than me, I'm 37, younger than me in their twenties in their thirties are getting Botox and it's become the new norm. And again, not knocking it, but like, what are the health ramifications? What are the potential side effects of this? Yeah, that's, um, and I also want to preface that I, uh, if you want to have Botox and fillers, I'm 110% going to help you find a provider. If we've had conversations and you want to go down that road, I will hundred percent help you find somebody that's safe, who's been doing it for a while, you know, and, and help you. And it's, I have nothing against people that choose that. I have everything against the industry itself. And I'll share as quickly as I can a story. When I was 31, I had my first child. I went to see a plastic surgeon who is in Stratum, New Hampshire. He's still there. He's one of the best. At the time, it was just him. There wasn't Botox parties and injectors and all this other stuff. It was just him. And I walked into his office 
we talked about the, the wrinkles that I still have on my forehead. And he said, he held my hand and he said, come back to me when you're 50. Now here's the difference. That doesn't happen now. Maybe not with him or maybe there's Botox parties, which by the way, serve alcohol, which by the way, is a big no-no in the general rule of Botox, you are not supposed to drink it before, during, or after. And so that's where I kind of tend to get a little judgy, but it's not the people that are getting it. Like you said, I feel like they have no choice. They're not given other options to try and help, you know, figure out, well, if you have a certain line on your forehead, is there something that you're doing? Is there something that we can do uh, to try and help you? I feel like people wake up and they're like, I, I, I'm waving the white flag. I can't. Or the peer pressure. So I've been to a Botox party. I went with a friend of mine just to see what it was like. And um, it was lovely. Great. But they were serving wine, which I was like, red flag, red flag. And then, you know, people are drinking. And then these people that are like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. And then an hour later, they're getting Botox because they felt like peer pressure or Maybe the alcohol was like, yeah, girl, you should get some Botox. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I can't think for them. But that's where I have an issue is that this whole thing has just blown up to where it's normal for a 21-year-old to get Botox. Preventative, in quotes, meaning shame on you if you're 30 and haven't had it done already. So the long-term effects of Botox, which why would they talk about it? It's a billion-dollar industry, which... If you even start to Google Botox side effects, let me tell you, they're buried pretty deep, really deep. You can't, you have to kind of know where to look to pull out some cool things. So I joined on the DL, a Botox recovery group. And the things that I've learned in there are just, I didn't even know that they existed. Um, there's some of the side effects in long-term. The biggest one is of course, atrophy. If you inject in the same spot over and over and over, let's say you're 22 years old and you go down that rabbit hole of Botox, more than likely they're going to probably have it for a very long time. If you inject into the same muscle over and over and over, it will cause long-term atrophy and not just in the spot where it's done, it can affect your bowels, it can paralyze your bowel movements, it can affect your hydration level. So Botox blocks this chemical called acetylcholine, which is responsible for um, the, it, it controls kind of like the nervous system, which is what it's supposed to do because it keeps muscles from contracting. But what can happen is, and I've learned this in these support groups, is that it affects so much more. It affects uh, anxiety. Um, it affects, you know, your sleep. It causes chronic dehydration. So these people are never hydrated. Um, and it's just, it's, it's kind of horrifying because again, why would the industry tell you that? And we're going to quickly interrupt this discussion to shout out one of our show sponsors. As a reminder, the support of our sponsors is what allows the Functional Nutrition Podcast to continue to pump out new content to you. So we always thank them. We hope that you support them too. So we want to shout out Organifi. They make some awesome powders. A lot of you use them and love them. I have been really vibing with their pumpkin spice, you know, tis the season. Um, you know, that's the basic bee in me coming out. So pumpkin spice, it's this, it's their gold powder, 
which is like a turmeric based golden milk, but they add lots of yummy things. I have been making this smoothie. I have to tell you about it. I can't stop, won't stop. So I use, uh, what do I use? Sweet potato. I chop up sweet potato and I, um, I make it ahead of time. So I kind of like batch cook sweet potato. I just chop it up, put it in my instant pot and steam it. Literally takes three minutes to steam it when I chop it up. And then I keep that. I don't even peel it or anything. I just keep all of that in a um, glass container. And then in the morning, I grab some, throw it into my blender. I also add baby spinach. I add frozen cauliflower. So it's chock full of veggies. I add sun butter. And then I put in some protein powder. Organifi makes a great protein powder too. I add a scoop of the pumpkin spice gold powder. I add a little bit of sea salt and some non-dairy milk. So coconut milk, almond milk, whatever. Blend that up. That has been my absolute... I also add a little bit of extra cinnamon. That has been my go-to smoothie. I look forward to it every morning. So check it out. Try it. You can head to Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash funk. Use the code funk. It'll save you 20% off anything you buy. And then also BioCult. They're my probiotic of choice. It's a really broad spectrum probiotic, meaning it has lots of different strains. That's typically what I recommend as like a daily probiotic. Um, really good price point for so you get it's a good value for the product. It's a good price point. It's like around thirty bucks. Uh, the boosted is my favorite, just because it's more potent than their regular. So you can check them out, BioCult, and of course our discount codes, which you can find in the show notes. I'll make sure to get those in in there for you. Uh, does save you some monies. I had no idea that that was the mechanism of action that I had to do with acetylcholine. So that's a neurotransmitter has everything to do with, um, the vagus nerve. There's a huge connection. The vagus nerve responds to acetylcholine, which is how you get into parasympathetic response, like a rest and digest response. Yes. It can really impact motility. So that would make sense that it would freeze the bowels if if something were to happen. I mean, it can Mm -hmm. impact how your brain works, concentration. Like I can't even believe that. I didn't know that. It blocks that. It, it, that's the biggest shocker for me is that I think if the general public kind of understood the long-term effects of Botox, um, that they might maybe think twice about getting it done. But we live in such a society now that it's like instant gratification of, I want my wrinkles to go away, which makes me more sad than mad. Like I, I you know, I can only get so pissed off about certain things. It makes me more sad that women are not allowed to age. And it's, again, it's this watered down version of a a diet industry where it's the shame game. And it, it breaks my heart that women don't feel, uh, you know, strong enough to say, you know, F you, I'm not going to get that done or no, thanks. I'm going to pass, you know? And I think if, if, if these people joined this support group, their mind would be like, Whoa. And these are women of all ages, all walks of life that have had one, but one session of Botox has caused some of these irreversible things to their body. And they're, they're all, you know, ashamed of, of getting it and then ashamed of having what's going on. So again, it's this ripple effect of you feel ashamed for getting older. So then you put poison into your body. And then these are the 
maybe ramifications that could come down the pipe. Now, there's plenty of people that get Botox all the time, but nothing happens. So I understand where people don't quite appreciate, and I'm not trying to put this fear factor into people. I just need people to understand that you need to do a little research and don't take it so lightly. I think Botox now is so uh, flash, like it's like an instantaneous decision of like, yep, I'm going to get some Botox. I'm going to go to a Botox party and get some Botox. Like, well, it's like that informed consent, you know, it's like, we need to have the information before we consent to a medical procedure. We need to have the information. And then we get to weigh out the pros and the cons. We can make that information or the, make that, make that decision for ourselves and our own body, your body, your decision. I still live by it. I know it's getting real squirrely to say that these days still stand by it. It's your decision to make, but you should have all of the information at your disposal as to you know, what to do. Right. Like that's just not happening. And let's think about it for a minute. How long do you think that someone has a consult to get Botox at a Botox party? Five minutes, the forms, you're really going to read them? No, I wouldn't. I mean, I'll, I no. me personally, like, if I ever went down it up with your friends, <laughs> right. And I, you know, for me personally, if I ever went down a Botox rabbit hole, I probably wouldn't come out. And that's just me personally. And it's one of those things that, do I have wrinkles? Yes. Am I okay with them? Some days, yep. Some days, no. But for the most part, I I don't personally feel the need to uh, do that. Um, so again, my job as someone's esthetician is to try to help them research it. And again, I have clients that get Botox. I don't care if that they, the only reason why I ever ask about Botox and fillers is that I can take your $500 implant in your cheek and move it up to your forehead and make it look like a unicorn because of the facial massage that I do. So if you get it done in too uh, close of a proximity to your facial, you know, doing gua sha or any kind of connected tissue massage, you can, you know, potentially move the filler, especially fillers, Botox actually, and facial massage. A facial massage, it's not really the the uh, moving anything, obviously, it's that facial massage will actually make the Botox uh, go away faster. So if you have Botox and you get facials a lot, you might, you know, we need to know, and it's not to judge you, it's just so that I do the utmost care to take care of your investment, because that's an investment. And so I don't want to mess up your investment. And it's not to judge you or, or, or anything face. like that. Right? <laughs> or your face. Um, so let's, let's segue into talking about that kind of facial massage, because I'm sure, you know, people hearing this are like, okay, cool. So maybe Botox isn't the right choice for me, but what is, you know, what is, if I do want to keep my skin looking good as I age, what are my solutions? What are my options? And I know that you talk a lot about lymph mm -hmm. and I think that, yeah. So I, the, the other two huge things that I try to teach people or talk about is lymph and lymphatic drainage and fascia. They're like, you know, two sisters hanging out and they're probably the most underappreciated things that you can actually do to yourself at home to help your skin age um, appropriately. And uh, one of my mentors, her name is Angela Peck and she has a saying called no flow, no glow, which is true because everything kind of sits, you know, we're, we're so stressed out all the time that our bodies just tighten up uh, lymphatic system, as you know, it's just sitting there. It's not flowing. It needs to have something to move it. Fascia, same thing that gets bunched up. It looks like cheesecloth and it holds, uh, you know, hyaluronic acid and collagen and, 
massaging fascia a certain way. It's almost like this rainforest effect that gets released inside your system. So lymphatic massage is actually like the weight of a quarter on your skin. It's extremely light to the touch because if you touch any harder, it's going to compress the lymph, which you don't want to do. That would be the worst thing you'd want to do. And then with lymphatic drainage massage on, you know, on a facial, when you're, when you're properly taught, you always start down near like your collarbone. There's this little indentation that we find and we start gently pumping it and we call it the gateway because lymph drains uh, underneath your underarms. And so for me to start pumping that, you know, making that light pumping motion, and then you kind of work your way up the face to get the lymph, you know, everything kind of moving. So a lot of lymph lives in our gut, but then there's like 35, 40% that lives up on our face in this beautiful, almost like fan, it almost looks like a spider web diagram. And so, you know, when we get sick and we feel uh, lymph, you know, nodes underneath our jawline, that's, you know, they're doing their job, they're collecting viruses or infections, and then you want to try and help move these out of the way. So at home, to do um, lymphatic drainage, you would start with your chest and kind of just do those little pumping motions up above your collarbone. And when I say pumping, I mean super light. Like if you take a quarter and you put it on your skin, that's the weight that I want you to touch your skin and do these little tiny little pumps. And then as you work your way up, you same thing, the same kind of pumping. And for anybody out there that wants to learn as much as they want about lymph, um, Love Your Lymph, the book um, is incredible. She's a, a wealth of knowledge. There's actually exercises in it that um, help you for all kinds of, not just your skin, but all kinds of elements that are going on. Because as you know, the lymph system is, you know, this huge network that's just sitting there. And the only way to kind of get it moving is manually move it or, you know, jumping on a trampoline or jump rope or things like that. So lymphatic drainage to me is one of the easiest ways to maintain a healthy glow to your skin. Um, and then with fascia massage, which is a, a heavier touch. Yeah. Because I think like we know so much about we don't really know a lot about lymph. I mean, I say yeah. we as like the average person. And so it kind of like, if you look at a diagram of lymph, it, it's very similar to the circulatory system, except yes. there's no pump for lymph, right? The, the circulatory Correct. system yes. has the heart to pump our blood. Oh, right. Lymph doesn't mm -hmm. have that. So we have to Correct. move, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. And you want to get it flowing towards your heart. So if you ever do uh, dry body brushing, you always yeah, start how do you, at your I was ankles. I going to ask about that. What do you think yeah. about dry body brushing? It's amazing. So it's great to move lymph. Um, again, you don't want to be hammering on your body with it. It's a very light touch. Um, you don't ever want to uh, use it on your face. It's a little bit aggressive. But you start at your ankles and you brush up in three, you know, up in threes, like three strokes up your legs, inside of your legs, you know, two, both legs. And then you do your stomach and kind of like a swirling motion and then your chest and then your arms, you know, you start at your hands and brush up in strokes of three towards your heart. You always want to go up towards your heart because when it gets around your heart, that's when it can kind of help get into this motion of moving it. So dry body brushing is one of my favorite things to teach people how to do just because it's something that you do before your shower and it depends on who you are taught by. Some people say you can do it after your shower, but most people say do it before your shower. And I think it's because 
of the exfoliating factor to it because you are sloughing off, you know, dead skin. So it's kind of twofold. It's great to exfoliate and then it's great to kind of move lymph. So yeah, the, the lymph system is one of my favorite things to talk about with people just because it's very underappreciated. Um, and I think it's just because most people don't even know what it is. So that's part of the consult when they come to see me is we chat a little bit about it just so that I can teach them that how important it is to either take up something that's you're just getting your body moving. So during a facial massage, you know, when we start on the chest or as we call it the decollete, um, it's like, think of your chest area and, and a little bit upper uh, region as the soil. And then your neck is the roots and the stem, and then your face is a flower. So in order for me to get the nutrients that are kind of living down here up to your face, meaning blood flow, I need to get all the junk out of the way first. So any facial massage always should start at your chest to help. And you can do, um, you know, very light touch. You can do fascia. You can use a gua sha stone, anything like that to kind of get things. Uh, it's I call it tilling the soil. You're basically tilling the soil to get ready to move everything up to the flower so that it will bloom. So gua sha is not really so much addressing lymph that's is that more fascia so gua sha um has kind of taken this morph uh you know with with our culture we tend to take things and just kind of morph them into what we want which is fine um traditional chinese medicine would feel otherwise which they have every right to so gua sha originally was meant to move chi energy and smooth muscle right that's gua sha on the body is completely different than gua sha on the face. Gua sha on the body leaves, you know, usually red marks because it's a scraping of the, you know, the outer layers of the skin, which forces blood to the surface. That's not how you do it on the face. Um, it's, you can have a, a little bit of a, a heavier touch than uh, lymph. Sometimes just the weight of a gua sha stone is, is how you would use it to move lymph because you want to kind of use that weight to help press the fluid down. But then you can take the gua sha stone and use it harder to break up fascia. You can also use gua sha stones, the, the way that you kind of torque them on the muscles to, you know, we have muscle memory. So my cheekbones remembered that at one time they were up higher than they are now. So if you constantly are sculpting with a gua sha stone, you know, I'm able to remove some of the fluid that sits in the middle, help those muscles kind of bounce back up. Same thing with, you know, your eyebrow, you, you, this magical things with gua sha that's really easy to use, but you have to just make sure that you use them correctly. Like you would never take a gua sha stone and, you know, go up, you know, you can go up, but the first thing you want to do is move lymph out of the way. Same thing with facial cupping, you know, there's very certain diagrams that you use, um, and so that's why if I teach gua sha to individuals, um, whether it's in my, my studio or, or on a Zoom or something or in person, I try to teach them where gua sha came from, what it's originally used for, and then explain that, yes, over the years, it's been kind of tweaked into different uh, modalities, which is fine as long as people respect where it came from first. Yeah. I feel like gua sha has really taken off in the past few years. And I don't know if it's just because I spend more time on Instagram. So I see more stuff or that's what the algorithm feeds me. I don't know, but I just yeah. am like, get, I just get hit with like lots and lots of videos and I'm just, but 
after talking to you, I'm like, I, I don't know if like, it's a kind of a skill, it's an art form and you have to learn it, learn the appropriate way to do it is my understanding. It's very frustrating for pros when they, you know, uh, see Instagram in general. (laughs) It's one of (laughs) my, I, I love Instagram. It's been great for my business, but I also hate Instagram with passion. So, um, yes, you, you will see people, uh, influencers. I say that lightly, um, showing people how to gua sha and the stone angle is completely wrong. They've started at a completely wrong. Like if I do a reel, clearly I can't show you a full session of gua sha. I'm showing you the section of the face I'm kind of working on. The rule of thumb is you definitely want to start where I, where I said, which is in the soil. That's the first rule that you learn. Um, so gua sha definitely has a technique um, and actually different teachers teach it differently. So you kind of have to, respect each teacher's way that they teach it and understand that they're not trying to do disrespect to the culture. They're just trying to teach you kind of what they've learned. And then they kind of, you know, again, tweak it a little bit, which can be beneficial. Um, But yeah, there's definite angles that uh, I see people doing uh, that are uh, not helping them at all. But you have a lot of really great short instructional videos on your Instagram. So if people are looking for, I try to, I, always... I need to do longer ones because I know that they're not, they, they're not helpful at times, but, um, I'm, I'm trying to uh, carve out that time because I want people to learn, especially with their hands. I know not everybody can access a gua sha stone, um, which again, brings up a whole other topic of my industry is unattainable for a lot of people, which again, makes me very sad. So I try to teach people, you know, with your hands, just simple movements that you can do very lightly to move lymph. And then, you know, a little bit harder on the skin to kind of break up fascia. And I have heard from people that, you know, little things that I teach them have helped with like migraines or TMJ or things like that. And that's, that's, I try to focus on that more than the beauty aspect of it. Although there are things that you can do to your face that will definitely um, slow that clock down that we're all staring at. Um, blood flow is the key. It's blood flow. It's your friend. You know, it's once you get that blood flowing up to your skin, that that glow is is 110 times better than any kind of serum that you can put on your face, to be honest with you. And so all these techniques that you just were talking about, all of that helps to enhance blood flow to the face. Correct. Yep. Like um, cupping you... can help reduce scars. Scars? Mm-hmm. No because way. Because the cupping is forcing blood into a pocket because people think that they have scarring when in fact they have uh, called PIH, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. It's that pink leftover spots from pimples. A scar is an actual divot in the skin. Um, there's not a lot that you can do unless microneedling, things like that. But cupping actually is shown, and I do have clients that it's worked on, is you're, you're forcing blood flow into a pocket that hasn't had blood in it. Because a, a scar makeup is very similar to a wrinkle, where it's just kind of like this wasteland that there's just not much in it anymore. So you're forcing blood flow, which is why people get hickeys. Yeah, I've given myself the hickeys. So the key is to learn where you're using it, how long of a suction you want, um, and just kind of working on it every day. I mean, I've helped my own 
uh, forehead lines with cupping just because you're forcing blood flow into an area again that it just hasn't been to in a while so your body's like oh okay i haven't been here in a while i'm gonna hang out and then you just naturally kind of plump things so that's what uh that's what you're saying not just a, a scar but also wrinkles same deal yes yeah um, and then the hyperpigmentation, I remember it was right after I had Hattie. So I had to be like 30 and I went to the dermatologist because I was nervous that I had these brown spots on my forehead. And I went in like, you know, thinking he was going to have to like look into it. He's like, Oh, those are just age spots. And I was like, I'm 30. Cool. Cool. Age spots. Nice. I felt like Montgomery burns. So yeah. is there anything that we can there's like a couple of things that I want to specifically ask about, but are, is there anything that we can do for age spots? So age spots, depending on what you're taught, again, uh, if you look at it in a traditional Chinese medicine thinking, those are caused by, uh, it can be again, like trapped emotions or heat in the body. Um, I, I would mean, say, everything I have is basically, you're like, it's trapped emotions. <laughs> So it's like this yeah. tracks, this definitely tracks. Yeah. And it's, it's not really talked about. You don't learn about it in aesthetic school. Like everything that I've learned was, this is no slam on my aesthetic school, but aesthetic schools, that's not their job. They're not here to teach you alternative ways of healing people's skin. They're here to teach you to pass your state boards and know things about the skin. So when you start to learn about other uh cultures and how they look at skin and uh, the effects of internal emotions or, you know, the sun. I mean, the sun, I'm a huge proponent of the sun. I think we should, we all need the sun, but we also have to respect the sun and that a lot of times those melanocytes that come to the surface are protecting you because of exposure to the sun. So again, those will rise to the surface. I have sunspots, age spots. That's what they are from, again, growing up with baby oil and iodine on my face. That was my sunscreen. That was my whole generation. So it is what it is. You can, um, in facial reflexology, there's this tool that looks like a little rake. And I have seen it work amazing things on people's skin that have uh, pigmentation, uh, hyperpigmentation from the sun, um, because it's almost like a collection of pigmentation that's kind of, you know, grouped together on your skin. And so the, the theory is, is to take that rake and gently kind of just keep raking over that spot. And it kind of helps just kind of from a surface to the underneath kind of break things up. Again, it's crazy. When you look at the tool, you're like, what? It looks like one of those Zen garden tools that you rake in the sand. That's exactly what it looks like, but it's for your face. So there, pigmentation, man, that's one of those things that you can get it, you know, people get IPL, they get lasers, they get all kinds of stuff, they chemical peels, don't even get me started on those, but it's going to, it's going to come back. If you step outside, it's going to come back. What about under eye puffiness? Is that a lymph issue? More? Yes. A lot of times it's either a lymph issue, a diet choice, hereditary, a lot of, you know, hereditary things kind of pop into that, especially puffy with the dark circles. A lot of times puffy dark circles can be a food sensitivity that people have no clue they even have. Like when you see little children with yeah. dark circles, a lot of times it's food. There's something that they're not processing right. And then they 
aren't sleeping right because of it. It's like the chicken and the egg, which one's doing what? So puffiness, um, there really is no gel that's going to help. Yes, there are gels and creams that feel lovely underneath your eyes. And they're very helpful. But again, it's that it's lymph, you know, that kind of just sits stagnant for whatever reason. I mean, it's sitting stagnant because that's its job, but sometimes it can get backed up even more depending on what we're doing in our, in our lives that will even, even if we try to move it, it doesn't move as freely as somebody else. So, um, uh, Gosha can help with that. Cupping can help with that. Um, checking your, you know, hydration intake can, you know, but then there's the whole thing of people all the time. I have clients that say, when I ask them, how much water do you drink? Oh, I drink so much water. I drink so much water. And then I, the second question is, well, how much do you pee? Oh, I pee all the time. <laughs> and so then they're just depleting their whole body of everything that's supposed to stay there. And then it makes them dehydrated. So it's this cycle again of, so I try to tell them like putting, you know, Himalayan sea salt or whatever in your water or chia seeds to try and help uh, their body kind of our body can only hold so much. It's like vitamin C. If you're just cramming it in, we're just going to pee it out. It's the same thing with water. So um, baggy under eyes is probably the one of the top things that people don't like. And a lot of times it's just they're stressed out and they don't quite um, admit that. And then they're not sleeping and everything else. That's stress. It will get you. Um, every time. Every time. <laughs> So thank you so much for this conversation. I do want to, I definitely want to send people to your Instagram because there are a lot of mm -hmm. videos that have found, I've found really helpful. I always send people, if they are like, I have a cold, I have sinus stuff. I always send them your videos because they're really helpful. Thank um, you. So definitely check, um, you know, check you out on Instagram. We'll link to everything in the show notes too. You're the holistic, what is, what is your handle? Holistic skin and tonics holistic skin and tonics. And then you also obviously not all the podcast listeners are local. They won't be able to schedule an in-person appointment mm -hmm. with you, but you do still offer online. Consults. I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can do a zoom. We could do a phone call, whatever they're comfortable with. I uh, would just tell people, I have people reach out all the time, just DM me or email me or whatever's easiest for them. And then we'll, we'll set up a time. I, I, I have lots of people that are far away that I try to help. So it's, it's nice. You know, there's so much, even if you can't put your hands on their skin, you can at least teach them how to put their own hands on their skin. Exactly. And once you learn that, I feel like for me, it's the biggest gift is to give women, especially the power to help themselves and not feel so helpless again with this whole uh, age shaming game that's going on. And that, you know, it, it, it's relaxing too. It's like human touch to me is a privilege. It, it's a gift. And it's something that I don't take lightly because there are clients that I have that I'm the only one that touches their face, which that's the way it is. And so for me, it's not just about skincare. It's about just the, the connection, the human touch, and just helping people get out of that fight or flight mode that we're in like 90% of the time. And when Absolutely. you do that, your skin will thank you for it. I mean, they're, they're all, it's all connected together, you know? Absolutely. And I think we can like leave out too with, with just the idea that 
aging is a privilege that is not a game. Right. And it's right. not something that we should fight or fear. Um, I just feel like the older I get, the more I'm like a rage against the machine song. Like F you, I won't do what you tell me like, Oh, you want right? me to look a certain way? Like, okay. <laughs> no, it's just right. Like- and I wish it was a pill that I could give women to be like, just take this pill. Right. And tomorrow morning you're going to be wake up and be like, F you, I'm going to do what I want. And it's, you know, <laughs> it's a gift to try to remind people like you are supposed to age. Some people don't get that privilege and who are they to tell you how you're going to age? You know, it's like, that's your choice. And, and again, if you want to go down the road of getting Botox and injections, cool. I'll help you. We'll find somebody, but I also want to give you some alternatives to try and dabble in to see if it's something that you enjoy. And most people really, they, they'll message me or send me pictures and they're gua shying, like watching, you know, Netflix. So it's yeah. like, okay, cool. You know, that's what I do it. Right. And I'm like, you if can. I've helped one person change their mind, job done. Cool. Great. That's all I want. That's all I want. You know, I just, I, I just, I, I think I, this is one of the biggest things that helped me get off of the dieting roller coasters, understanding how many people were profiting off of my shame, how many people were profit profiting off of me hating myself. And it's like how you say it's, it's no different. The beauty industry is no different. The beauty industry is designed to get you to hate yourself so yep. they can rake in the dollar dollar bills. So I they, feel like once we have this yep. understanding that like helps to change the game for us in our mindset. Right. And that's why less is more. You don't need seven things on your face. You really don't. You're making your life way more complicated than it needs to be. And, you know, there's skincare, the companies, you know, don't the whole FDA, like that's just a joke in itself. You know, we're the only country that allows the word fragrance. Oh, brilliant. Which you've talked about. And it's, you know, other countries don't allow it. And so they basically sell you stuff for your face that destroys your face and then you have to buy other stuff to fix it where your skin is this beautiful fine-tuned machine that we've completely derailed and made it so much more complicated than it needs to be and it's a joy to when people bring in like uh, 12 things this one and i'm like your skin doesn't even know which way's up at this point because you're just layering it down to two products. Two, That's what I'm using. Two. I was like, can That's you tell you me more? I was like, what else do I need? You're like, just buy these two. I was like, okay. It's a cleanser and a lotion. That's literally it. <laughs> right. And the ingredients in those two products is meant to do what they did for your skin. It's yeah. simple. It's, it's, and you know, and the other thing is when people, all I would say is if you have a breakout, like I tell people, you look in the mirror, you have a pimple, you say to your pimple, okay, I see you. I get it. You want to hang out in my face for a while, but then you got to F off and leave. Because if you start to just constantly think about that pimple, six more are going to show up to hang out and have a party because that's how pimples, especially from cortisol overload, that's how it works. They just keep coming back because you're not, you kind of have to just wave the white flag at them and be like, okay. And of course there's other things that cause it, but that's one of the biggest things is kind of just being like, it is what it is. You got to kind of let it go. It's no different than talking about persistent pain or autoimmune symptoms. It's like when it happens, the more attention you give it, the more you, you know, more that elicits the fear response in your brain and the more you're going to see it. It's, it's, right. it's a very similar concept. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
All right. I don't want to keep you for much longer. I really, really appreciate your time. This is a great conversation. I know people are going to walk away. Thank with you a lot so of much for resources. having me. Thank you so much. I will make sure that I, I link to all your good stuff and definitely great. listeners try to schedule an appointment with Lee. You definitely won't regret it. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you got something from today's show, don't forget, subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.